Welcome to Talk Angry with Coon and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap close wins over Jacksonville State and South Alabama. We'll also get you ready for this week's slate of games, including the Roman main event out in Las Vegas. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge, a 2-0 start to the season for the Shockers, but certainly some close, tense moments in both games. Now, Taylor, I'm actually pretty darn impressed with the Shockers' ability to pull both of these games out. You didn't shoot the ball well. When you look at the front of the jersey and you see Jacksonville State and South Alabama, that doesn't really you know, get the fans too excited. But this was low major teams with high major players. And I thought both teams you know, came in and gave the Shockers a, a real good punch. And you know, as you've heard from IB and talked to IB about, this is going to be something that helps them as they go down the road and get into conference play. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jacksonville State. I mean, that's a as a veteran team. They returned basically everyone from last season. Added a you know a high impact transfer, and uh, you know they were solid. I was impressed by them. And then you know um, South Alabama comes and they've completely Richie Riley has completely retooled that roster with uh, like you, you said you know high major talent, six transfers from Power Five conferences. And I actually thought in talking to you know some of the coaches before that game. I actually thought, you know, they were more talented than Jacksonville State. Did they play as well as a team? You know, maybe not. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of just pure talent, you know, South Alabama, they're going to, you know, if they if they can put it together, and you have to, remi- uh, you know, keep in mind, they were missing two, you know, pretty key starters, too, in that WSU game. So I think they're poised for a, for a big year this year in their conference. And, yeah, you're right. You know, it, it, it's not going to – uh, like I wrote my story this week on Kansas.com, you know, these are wins that they're not going to, you know, headline the resume. They're probably not going to help WSU a ton, you know, come March. But, you know, these are wins that prepare you for conference play. They prepare you for close games. You know, WSU has that experience of operating in possessions where you absolutely have to have a stop or you have to have a score. And, yeah, I mean, you can argue that, you know, should they be in these positions uh, the first two games of the season? You know, regardless, you know, these are uh, possessions that are, are, are building character. And for WSU to come out with two straight wins in those scenarios, you know, they picked up right where they left off last season. You know, they played in a lot of close games. You look at all the, the luck metri- metrics, you know, they I think they were 9-2 uh, and two in, in games decided by five points or less. And they're already off to, a, you know, another uh, start this season with two games that, that came down to the wire. So, uh, you know, is it luck? I don't know. I mean, WSU, just, it seems like they keep finding ways to, to win these games. So, you know, at some point, you just have to give, uh, you know, credit to the Shockers for, for pulling it out. They shot under 40% in both games. In the first game against Jacksonville State, they're 4 of 22 from the three-point line. Did clean that up a little bit in the game against South Alabama. Just from your talking with the coaches and the players, is is it more mental right now? Or, or why exactly are we still seeing those uh, Shocker shooting woes? Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's tough. I mean to to kind of pinpoint it. I mean I think honestly, and I think IB has said this over and over. I mean it's just as simple as just these guys have to step up and make open shots. I'm looking at my uh, spreadsheet right now. Uh, Jacksonville State 
uh, two two for ten on shots that I graded as completely uh, you know wide open, good looks, in rhythm. Uh, you know those are the best available shots. Those are shots you probably need to be shooting you know more than forty percent. You know ideally above fifty percent if you're if you're thinking wide open threes. WSU two for ten on those looks. South Alabama even worse. You know WSU four for sixteen. So they got even more wide open threes. And you know if you're if you're hitting at just a you know a twenty five percent rate, that is severely under where you want to be. So. Uh, you know, and, and watching those games back on film, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of the same things that IB is seeing. You know, just uh, WSU is, is is driving, collapsing the defense, kicking out to the open shooter. Those are shots you want. You know, these are shooters you want shooting. Uh, you know, Dexter Dennis has gotten a ton of wide open threes this year. It just isn't hitting. I mean, it's, it's just the, the same thing we've said over and over and over, you know, these last three, four seasons. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, I think it's just as simple as these guys have to step up and, and start making the shots because they're getting open looks. In the game against Jacksonville State, Jacksonville State had the lead for 27 minutes, which State only had the lead for three minutes, and their biggest lead was only four points. But reason they won that game, they're plus 11 in second chance points, they were plus 10 in the paint, and also in both games, Jacksonville State and South Alabama, they won the rebounding margin. One thing we haven't talked about yet, that buzzer beater by Tyson Etienne. Mm-hmm. And you had the article afterwards on why it was a good shot or was it a good shot versus a bad shot. I'm not sure why this discussion has continued on, you know, a, a week after uh, here now. But the, at the end of the day, goes in, shockers win. And on the opening night of college basketball, got some nice play on social media. Yeah, it went viral. You know, ESPN uh, posted it. Sports Center had it on their account, got viewed more than like half a million times and, and just that overnight. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would describe it as a good shot. I, I think uh, in the story, I was just pointing out that it's not a bad shot. It's not, you know, uh, it's probably I mean, it's somewhere in between. You know, obviously, Tyson Etienne is not the normal college basketball player. I mean, this is a guy that trains unlike college basketball players. That's why he thinks he's going to play in the NBA I mean, because he trains like an NBA player. And, you know, it's just kind of the same thing as Dame Lillard. You know, Dame Lillard, uh, you know, he shoots from 25 plus, you know, out to 30 feet regularly. I mean, he, he trains for that shot. He shoots that shot in practice. And the point of that story was just talking to the trainers. And I just wanted to, to show people that, you know, it wasn't like Tyson was just, you know, pulling from 30, uh, you know, just because he was feeling it. it. I mean, that's a shot that he practices. And I think if you read that story and all the trainers that I talked to, everybody who has ever trained with Tyson Etienne the last three, four, five years they all say the same thing every at the end of every single workout. He goes to, you know, at the logo, basically, he goes from 30 feet out, dead on. He goes to the left side and he goes to the right side and shoots deep threes. And he works on that at the end of every workout. So I guess the point of that story was just to show that this was a shot that he had prepared for. And, um, and you know, you go back and watch that clip and you see the dribbles that he was doing, you know, he was, uh, you know, uh, dribbling with his left hand through the legs, cross it back over with the right. I mean, it was a repetition dribble. Those are the same rhythm dribbles that he does in practice because you, you remember everything he does is game-like in practice and it's four moments like that. So, you know, obviously that's, uh, uh, you know, that's a shot that's probably not going to, you know, we can argue if that's like the best shot he could have taken. I don't think it's obviously the best shot, but that's a shot he was comfortable with. And, you know, at the end of 
at the end of games, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of you know people on uh, you know comments and on Twitter responding to it and say that's the play that you call, uh, you know, criticizing IB. You know, that's it's not like they call a play. You know, they put the ball in the hands of Tyson Etienne and they trust that decision making that you know he's going to do what he thinks is best. So it's not really, and that's the way that a lot of you know high major uh, college basketball coaches you know run late game offense. It's not like you can just run you know these sets. Because, you know, if that first option isn't there, you know, you're going to run out of time. So the best option for a lot of these teams is just, you know, good offense beats good defense every day of the week. So you put the ball in the hands of your best offensive player and you just tell them, hey, go get a bucket. And it just so happened that Tyson felt good about, you know, uh, pulling from 32. And, uh, you know, it obviously worked out. You know, is that going to work out every time he, he pulls that shot? Probably not. But, you know. I, I think it's a it's a shot that IB trusted him to take, and you talk you uh, you know talk to the teammates afterward. They trusted Tyson to take that shot. So I mean, if they're good with it, I think the fans should be good good with it too. Shocker's depth shine through in the win over South Alabama, and they finished the game on a 10-2 run. Ricky Council has 19 points. Tyson was sick, didn't really play that great, you know, came off the bench for the first time in a long time. Dexter Dennis was not playing great. Mo Udeze has not really played great in these first two games, but the depth shines through. You had good plays by uh, Jackson and Grant, and, and, of course, Ricky Council had himself a great game. Yeah, I mean, two straight games where WSU has shot under 40% and still found a way to win. You look at the last three seasons, only Houston has more wins, uh, you know, since the, you know those last three seasons of shooting under 40% and still winning the basketball game. So, you know, Wichita State has this down to a science, you know, finding other ways to win basketball games. And you mentioned the three big ones right there, you know. Uh, you know, this is a game that WSU probably doesn't win last season. You know, if the big three of Etienne... Dexter, Dennis, and Udeze don't show up the way they did, uh, you know, scoring the ball. Uh, you know, WSU probably doesn't win that game last season, but now, you know, you're seeing guys like, uh, you know, I thought Ricky Council took a huge step. Uh, you know, not just, uh, you know, everyone's going to gravitate towards the, the tough shot making, and for good reason. You know, he he was, you know, a dynamite. He, he took and made a lot of really, really tough shots, and in a game where WSU struggled that much on offense, those were like gold. Uh, so he, they, WSU absolutely had to have him step up. But what you saw, what I saw at least watching that game back, was a huge step in his playmaking and creating for others. You know, everyone knows that Ricky can get a bucket, but you know, can the next step, the next question for him to level up is, you know, can he get a bucket for others? Because you know, the more and more he plays, the more tapes out there. People are going to focus more and more defensive attention on him. They're going to try to take him away. So can he, you know, that's kind of the the next step that, that Tyson is facing now too. Everyone's going to be gravitating to, to you. Can you create for others? And, you know, we're seeing Tyson do that too. And I thought, Ricky, that was probably his best passing game of his career to go along with, you know, the best tough shot-making game too. And in uh, WSU's time of need, he, he delivered. Wichita State was plus 10 in bench production. Always enjoy the analysis you have after the game, and it was actually when the Shockers went small that they played their best when they had Dexter at the uh, the small four. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, that those four-guard lineups, uh, and looking back on when they played them, uh, IB basically closed the game the last six minutes um, with that four-guard lineup, and that's when WSU kind of took off. You know, they... they had the best offense. Uh, the most important thing to me was, you know, 
they they weren't you know obviously they were having problems staying in front of of South Alabama they could not stop them from getting to the rim so you know that kind of cor- correlated with you know the switch to the zone defense uh, but also uh, the most most important thing to me was the offense picked up I think it was like close to 1.3 points per possession I can't remember the exact total but you know the offense really took off when you had four guards and then you had you know Udeze, uh, Poto or Joe Pleasant at the five. So um, IB closed the game the last six minutes with that. And I think that's a lineup we might see some tomorrow night, Tarleton uh, State, because they play basically five guards. Uh, you know, if WSU, if their big man can't, you know, win that battle, I, I think you're going to see uh, IB go to those four guard lineups and uh, play Dexter at the four. And that's something I think we might, uh, you know, see a little bit more of this season just because. Uh, you know, Dexter is so good at defense and rebounding, and he can, you know, play, he can rebound and defend bigger than his size. So, uh, you know, it, and that, you know, opens the door to get Ricky Council on the floor with Tyson Etienne and a point guard. So I think that's probably the best lineup WSU can throw out there in terms of offense and defense. And then you, you, you center those around with, you know, Udeze or Kenny Poto or even Joe Pleasant as a small ball five. So I think that's might have, uh, you know, be a, an early preview of potential closing lineups for WSU this season. I've been impressed with the play of Kenny Poto. You know, he was sick during the first game, but had a couple dunks and, you know, seems to be moving well. And, and just for a, a freshman of that size, it, it seems like at least the, the type of big man that Wichita State has recruited, it takes a while, you know, at least it's the that, you know, after Christmas time before they really get into the swing of things. But he, he looks game ready from day one. Yeah, I mean, and the three-point shot hasn't even fallen yet. You know, I think he's like 0 for 5 or 0 for 6. And, uh, you know, once he gets that going, then you you add a whole new dimension to the offense. And, you know, he's able to pick and pop. And, you know, obviously Mo wants to do that a little bit more this season. But, you know, he's probably not as a, he's not as good of a shooter as Kenny. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. You know, Kenny has just looked uh, so good uh, fundamentally. Uh, knows where to be on defense. I mean, there's still some, you know, growing pains for being a true freshman far as you know trying to protect the rim uh you know there's some spots where he you know he just doesn't know where to be a little bit uh you know if you look at the defensive numbers when he's on the court uh defensive you know uh ppp goes way up and you know mo uh, you know for you know obviously we we can talk about you know his struggle so far on the offensive end but i thought he's played you know fairly well on defense and you know wsu's defense has been at its best at a, an elite elite level i think it's like 0.7 points per possession with Udeze on the floor on defense. So I think there's a huge, uh, you know, uh, you know, flip right there with when, you know, you, you replace the four-year player with a true freshman. But, you know, Kenny's offense is really, I mean, that's going to get him on the floor. And I think you could even see, you know, some lineups where, you know, he plays alongside Mo at the four just because he has that shooting ability. But, you know, can he can he stay on the four guarding, a, you know, guarding on the perimeter as the four? That's going to be the question. But, you know that's a that's a huge uh, that's a very nice uh, you know flexibility uh, option for for coach uh, coach Brown and it'll be interesting to see how how he uses him this season because he, he's going to be a weapon I think for WSU. Another great story over the weekend was Trey King being in Wichita and going through the recruitment process. And as we talk about big man, that could be someone else that you know is added to that front line and potentially provide some help for the Shockers. Yeah, so this is a recruit who uh, started, uh, transferred this summer to Georgetown after a successful three-year career at uh, Eastern Kentucky, was a defensive monster for them, averaged 16 a game, 
last season. I was a first team all Ohio Valley player, so a very, very good mid-major player looking to move up. Went to Georgetown. It didn't work out. Uh, ended up not being on the roster, so he's looking to transfer now. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a question mark of he wants to play um, potentially that second semester of this season, but, you know, it's going to come down to if he can get a waiver from the NCAA and as WSU fans are all too familiar with, you know, those waivers can be a complete guessing game. Uh, you know, it's probably unlikely uh, that he plays this season, but he does want to join the team, at, you know, during that Christmas break. So, uh, you know, Wichita State has a great chance for him. He was, uh, you know, very, very pleased with his visit. Uh, I mean, I asked him, you know, from the, the start, I was like, so what are you looking for in recruiting? And basically everything he mentioned he was like, Wichita State did a great job of this. You know, he wants to play in the NCAA tournament. Okay, WSU has, you know, a long tradition of playing in March Madness. He like, check. Uh, you know, he wants to play. Uh, you know, he thinks he can be uh, an NBA player. At the very least, you know, play professionally. Well, yes, or, I mean, WSU has, you know, a long line of guys playing in the NBA and also overseas. So, you know, check there. Uh, you know, he wants to, to, you know, play in front of a good crowd, you know, at Eastern Kentucky. He, he didn't get to play in front of, you know, more than two or 3,000 fans. So even though, you know, Saturday's game was probably below average for a lot of Shocker fans, there were expectations. You know, he was just completely blown away. He was like, I've never seen anything like this. I thought the crowd was electric. Uh, you know, it was one of a kind. So he was uh, he was very, very impressed by the, the atmosphere. And, you know, he just wants to go somewhere where it feels home. And he mentioned that every everyone he met in Wichita was was so kind to him and caring. And, you know, from IB, who he thought was, you know, just as genuine as he, you know, thought he was, you know, on Zoom calls, on phone calls, even more so in, in person from, you know, the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, he, you know, he met the strength and conditioning coach, Kerry Rosenboom. He met Gretchen Torline, the academic advisor for the team met everyone and you know he goes out to doodah diner and obviously they treat everyone like family out there so uh he just he just had a blast in wichita he was here with his parents uh his dad actually played at drake in the early 90s so he actually played you know um, in wichita he knows what it's like to play against shocker fans even if that you know it probably wasn't at their peak but you know he, he has the experience of what it's like to, to come to wichita so i think they were just completely blown away um, I mean, he, he acted like, I mean, he was talking a lot of, uh, you know, he, in his answers, he was already talking like he was part of the team. So I thought that was interesting, but he does say, he did tell me he's going to, uh, you know, take two more visits. He's going to Missouri on Wednesday and then Iowa state on Saturday. So two non-game days for both of those. And they're only one day. So I think WSU has a little bit of an advantage there because they got the full, you know, 48 hour experience with him. This weekend, so he's going to make a decision after this week. He takes his three uh, total visits. He's going to sit with his family and talk it over. But I know WSU feels like you know they feel like the the visit went great, and they they feel like you know he might be you know a part of the team uh, you know coming up here in December. Going back to his checklist, he wants to go to a school that has a great podcast. Check, you know, we're good there. Do, do other schools do write-ups like you do when they have the recruits in town? I, I think that in itself is pretty cool. Like you come to, and Wichita's a bigger city than most of these college towns, and you get a write-up in the in the newspaper. I'm sure that's not something that happens everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, that's kind of the difference between basketball, you know, a basketball first school like Wichita State and, and football schools like, you know, Missouri and Iowa State. You know, I think there are like, uh, you know, dedicated recruiting sites to those teams that, that will, you know, 
write something about him, but I don't, I mean, I think I'm the first one that actually had reached out and talked to him and, you know, done a story on him. So he seemed like he appreciated that. And, and like I said, I mean, he was blown away by, you know, just the, the fan support at, at Coke Arena on Saturday and just the atmosphere of the game and just how nice everyone was too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I did the, the, the full breakdown of his game. So yeah, it's like, if you come here, I'll give you the breakdowns. I'll give you the, you know, the love for the, the little details that, that players do during games that, that win, like, uh, you know, stuff like Dexter Dennis, you know, every game I love like looking back at the film and just watching Dexter, just shutting guys down on defense. You know, that's the stuff that's not going to show up, you know, on the highlight films, but, uh, you know, it's just those little details that, that coaches love that players love to be recognized for. So yeah, I mean, I think that's. I think players always love that to be kind of recognized for their hard work and and, and stuff that they do. So I think uh, I think he might have enjoyed that. Yeah, if he comes, I'm giving you credit. <laughs> <laughs> what What's up with attendance? I, I know the atmosphere. <laughs> <Let's talk. laughs> what's going on with the attendance here? I mean, can we get some butts in the seats, people? This is a good team. We're we're going to be on the edge of the top twenty five if they win some of these games in Vegas this week. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, it was trending in that way before COVID. Um, you know, the the season ticket sales were 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 kind of uh, you know on the decline. You know, not as bad as they are now, but uh, um, but I mean, it, I think it was a, just an issue that's facing all of college athletics, really. Uh, you know, with uh, with it being this easy to watch games from home. You know, every game's on television now. Uh, you throw in the the COVID stuff, throw in the mass mandate. I know that's a just from reading comments on on social media, that seems to be a, a big, you know, uh, uh, touching, uh, you know, just a big controversy, I guess, with WSU fans. So I think it's just a combination of all those things, and I think there's probably some people that just, you know, miss Greg Marshall. I mean, I think even, you know, regardless of how you feel about him, you know, I know he's uh, very, very well liked by a lot. Of, I mean, so many great memories here in Wichita. So with him not on the sidelines. Maybe some people just aren't, you know, as excited anymore. But like you said, I mean, this is a team. It's probably the most talented team they've had since that 2017-18 team that spent a lot of the season in the top 10, ended up going to the NCAA tournament as a, a number four seed. Obviously, they hope to have a better March Madness showing than that team. But this is a, this team has a lot of talent. Tyson Etienne, probably the last year you're going to watch him uh, here in Wichita. So, yeah, I would encourage fans to come out and, that guy is, is probably going to play in the NBA. So, you know, c- come out and enjoy him. And Ricky Council might be playing in the NBA too someday. Do you see South Alabama's coach, like, basically go halfway out on the court love, during the I game? I loved his energy. He was, <laughs> he was fired he up. Was, yeah, I talked to him after the game. His voice was, uh, he was uh, so complimentary of the, the crowd too. I mean, he was just like Trey King. He's like, I'm a basketball junkie. I'm from Kentucky. We know basketball there. So it was, it was like, sounded like almost like a dream for him to come to, he had always heard about how good the environment was at Coke Arena, and uh, you know that was probably, you know, what like a five or six on the the Coke Arena scale, and you know come back in January for you know the Memphis game, yeah. and then you know you'll get, be the, yeah, you'll get the yeah you'll get the full get the full experience. But I think that's just kind of the magic of you know what Wichita State has going. You know, even though fans probably feel like it's, I mean, like you said, I mean, you're you're asking what's wrong with the crowd, and you know from the outside looking in. A lot of people would still view this as, you know, a pretty magical spot in college basketball. But, I mean, you're right. You know, it's, uh, I would guess, you know, probably 6,000 fans were there. You know, actually actually there in Saturday's game. That's well below what WSU is, is expect, expects to get. But I think, you know, winning solves everything. The more they win, if they get in the top 25, 
Tyson Etienne starts, you know, has that bounce back game. Um, you know, I think you're going to see a better attendance. And some some of it has to do with just the names on the other teams, too. Even though these are quality mid-major teams, you know, Jacksonville State, South Alabama doesn't really do much to gen, you know, generate excitement for, you know, just the general fans. So I expect that attendance to go up, uh, you know, as the season goes on. And I think there's like a almost a month-long break in between games at Coke Arena now. So after Tuesday's game. In the game against Jacksonville State, they had a fan there who was sitting down low and standing up every single time. <laughs> he was loving it. Just giving it to the crowd. And when Tyson hit that game winner, it was on my Instagram story. This guy goes up and just gets right in his face. He just starts bumping up. So he, he got his sweet, sweet revenge when Tyson hit that game winner. Yeah, I was cracking up. He was doing like, let's go Jaguar chance. Like during the free, when WSU would shoot free throws, I was like, I, was like, I mean, I actually, I, I looked on their Twitter, and this guy was saying, we'll see you there tonight. So I don't know if he's from Wichita or if he was just from, uh, you know, somewhere close by. But I thought that was pretty funny that, you know, they had they had one fan there, and he was very low, very, very vocal. Maybe the loudest fan, you know, individually there at Coke Arena. I was impressed. After two games, the Shockers are ranked Ken Palm number 69. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will preview this week's game against Tarleton State and the games out in Vegas with the Roman main event. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We are recording this podcast on Monday, so the first game of the week is Tuesday, a home matchup with Tarleton State. They come in at 0-2, but they've played two really good teams. They lost at Stanford and at Kansas. They have a heck of a schedule. They play Michigan, Gonzaga, and they have a common opponent in South Alabama, led by former Kentucky coach Billy Gillespie. When you look at this game, what do you see, Taylor? Yeah, I mean, this is a real unique matchup for WSU. Tarleton State basically starts five guards. I think the tallest guy in their lineup is 6'6", and like 210, 215. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna spread the floor. They're going to press. They're going to, you know, try to create havoc on the, the defensive end and not let WSU take advantage of its, uh, you know, advantage inside. And that's going to be the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. You know, we have not seen a good offensive game yet from Morris Udeze. Uh, you know, coming into the season, some people had hopes for him maybe sneaking on a you know an all-conference team, uh, just because you know he's fourth year. Uh, he ended the season so strong, you know, at in that Drake game in the NCAA tournament, uh, and that's what I'm going to expect to see from him against Tarleton State because they're going to try to put you know some you know six six two hundred ten pound guy on you. You know, this is probably one of the only times Mo's going to have a size advantage like this. You know, all season playing at the five, so. Look for WSU to really try to establish its inside game early. And obviously, Tarleton State, you know, they're going to try to, to trap and press and, and, and force WSU into a lot of turnovers and not let them get the ball inside. So that's going to be kind of the cat and mouse game uh, to expect Tuesday night. And um, I think Mo should be in store for a big game. And we've talked, or we talked a lot in the offseason about, you know, how much rebounding was a problem for WSU. Well, I think uh, WSU has done a great job these first two games. Mo did, you know, probably the best rebounding game of his life on Tuesday or on on uh, on Saturday's game, and uh, I think career high 20, uh, 12 rebounds, and so he's snatching uh, boards, you know, left and right. He's doing a good job there, but now it's time, you know, he worked a lot in the offseason with his handles, with his outside shot. 
that's fine. But, you know, you can't forget, you know, where your bread is buttered. And that's back to the basket, bully basketball. You know, it's not pretty, but, you know, it was effective last season. And we have yet to see that from Mo this year. And, uh, you know, that's that's the big thing I'm looking forward to Tuesday in that game. You got to get Mo back on track. And um, and Tyson Etienne, that's a, that's a good opportunity for a bounce back game. But, you know, I was told he missed practice on Sunday, still was not feeling good. Uh, I was told he returned to practice on Monday, but I don't know how that went. Obviously, we're recording. Uh, I think their practice just wrapped up, so haven't heard how that practice actually went. But, you know, this is kind of the last tune-up game before, you know, things start to get serious because, man, Arizona is looking like a, you know, they're looking like a top-10 team. They haven't played anybody yet. I'm going to be, you know, Tuesday is a big game for them, too. They finally play, you know, a, a respectable opponent. So I'll keep an eye on on how they do there. But, man, they are they are looking like a fine-tuned machine under Tommy Lloyd, the Gonzaga assistant. And that's that's a very, very tough matchup for Wichita State uh, come, uh, come Friday on, in Vegas. Arizona plays North Dakota State on Tuesday. The player to watch out for for Tarleton State is 5'11 senior guard Montre Gibson. He's averaging 17 points per game. Tarleton State is Ken Palm ranked number 218. They were up uh, 7 on Stanford in the second half with like uh, 12 minutes left too. So like this is a team that can can actually compete. I know we've said this the last uh, two games, but I think this is the, the next team in line. I mean, this is not a pushover you know they they went back and forth with KU in the first half. Uh, they put a real you know scare into Stanford on the road. So this is a team where again WSU is going to have to play well if it's going to win. It's, it can't just show up and and you know expect to win by twenty just because of the name on the front of the jersey. So this is not a pushover team. And it'll be competing styles because you have kind of small ball against Tarleton State, and then in the game Friday against Arizona, they have some size. Their leading scorer is 6'11 and averaging 16.5 points per game. They have a few seven-footers as well. Game will tip off at 9 p.m. Central Time on Friday. It will be broadcast on ESPNU. Taylor and I will both be in Sin City uh, watching the Shockers. Arizona is Ken Palm ranked number 41, and they're currently receiving votes in the AP Top 25 poll. They'd be the equivalent of number 31. But to your point, they really haven't played anyone. They beat Northern Arizona 81 to 52, and they beat Texas Rio Grande Valley 104 to 50. What do you think that will be the biggest key for the Shockers in this matchup on Friday? Yeah, I mean, it's just trying to slow down their offense because, you know, right now they have the ball humming around the perimeter. The, the fav- My favorite stat of Arizona is that they have assisted on 81% of field goals. That's second best in the nation so far. And again, you know, you have to keep things in perspective. They haven't played, you know, they've played two of the worst teams in, in Division One, And that's why I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, curious to see how they'll do on Tuesday. That's kind of the real test. But still, you know, we, what we learned with WSU, I mean, you still have to show up and play well. So even though they haven't beat anybody of note, you know, it's still impressive to see them come out this crisp, especially under a first-year coach. Uh, you know, Tommy Lloyd obviously comes from a great pedigree at Gonzaga, and he has those guys rolling right now. So uh, you mentioned the size. You know, WSU, this is going to be a big challenge, you know, uh, rebounding the basketball. So far, they've done great at, at uh, playing defense and rebounding the basketball. And if they can do those two things, I think, uh, you know, you're, you're going to maybe throw a wrench into Arizona. You know, we're going to see how they respond if they're not able to do things, you know, as crisply as they're used to doing those first two or three games. So um, that's going to be the big test uh, for Wichita State. 
and, and then it's just going to come down to, you know, if WSU, I mean, this is, this. I'm going to be saying this the whole season, you know, it's going to come down to if they can make shots because uh, they're going to get open looks. Guys like Dexter Dennis, Quay Grant, Craig Porter, uh, Joe Pleasant, you know, guys like that, they're going to have to step up and, and make some threes, you know, Ricky Council. Uh, so, you know, and then, I mean, it just depends on, you know, uh, you have to figure that they're going to do, you know, throw everything at Tyson Etienne and make everyone, you know, pack the paint and try to make WSU beat them from the outside. Because like IB said today in his press conference, you know, until WSU proves it can make jumpers and outside shots, you know, teams are just going to pack it in and make them beat them from the outside. So shockers need to put that on tape and show that they can, uh, you know, uh, win games and make shots from the outside to put at least a little bit of fear in Arizona's defense going into Vegas. It's hard to look at stats this early in the season just because of the the level of competition, but Arizona is averaging 92.5 points per game. They're shooting it just under 50% from the field at 49.6, 35% from three. They are averaging 12 turnovers a game, and I, I would agree with you that the biggest key would be that shocker defense. That's certainly not the the what they've seen up to this point in the Wildcats. Depending on if they win or lose, they will play either number four, Michigan, or UNLV. Michigan's Ken Palm ranked number two. UNLV is Ken Palm ranked number 129. Uh, UNLV has a win over California, also has beaten Gardner-Webb. Michigan's beaten Buffalo, Prairie View, A&M. Not a lot there, but they do play Seton Hall on Tuesday. So well, any thoughts on any of those other two schools? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a big, big test. Uh, Vegas is going to be a huge test for Mo Udeze, Kenny Poto. You know, we, we haven't really seen them be tested by a, a big guy. I know uh, Jacksonville State had had one in the opener. I thought Mo did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, Kenny did a pretty good job of limiting him. But, man, these are these are uh, a huge upgrade from from that. You know, Arizona goes 7-1, 6-11 on his front line. Michigan has a player of the year candidate, Hunter Dickinson, 7-1. So, I mean, th- this is where the test will get real for WSU, especially this is why I think uh, the Arizona game is so important. If they can win this game, you're more than likely going to get a-, a crack at Michigan. And, you know, just having that on the resume, you know, even if they, you know, take a loss, I think that's going to be so valuable for them to get that kind of, you know, see a top five team, uh, you know, to prepare them for, you know, a team like Memphis. Uh, you know, Houston's probably going to be top 25 this season, but Memphis is, you know, arguably a top five team when it comes to talent. So it's going to give them kind of a look of what, you know, an elite, elite team looks like. Uh, it's going to feel like an NCAA tournament game, you know, playing at a, a, a neutral neutral site. And that's why it's so important if the Shockers can unlock that game, get that experience this early. And who knows, you know, you just give yourself a puncher's chance if you if you somehow pull off the upset. Could you say they're playing with house money? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dustin's been waiting for that one all all day. <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, and if they're somehow able to pull off that upset, then you're the talk of college basketball, you know, you're 5 and 0, uh you know, with wins over Arizona and Michigan, and then like you said, I mean, you're going to get some buzz. They they would probably uh, you know go in the top 25. Definitely would. You would have to think um uh, if they if they're able to pull off that two and zero in Vegas, but you know that's a lot a lot of ifs. Uh, you know I think they're going to be happy if they can. You know just from the outside looking in, I would be happy if I were them just with one win in Vegas. You know going one and one, making sure you don't go zero and two because that would you know that's that's a tough look. Uh, it's not going to look great on the resume, especially if that second game you know is against UNLV. So got to come away with the one win 
at least uh, at least out of Vegas, in my opinion. I believe it's time for buy or sell. All right, we got some got some new ones for you this week. So Ricky Council, great game. We know he's kind of that guy that everybody's looking at as potentially the breakout star. Taylor, you had an article on it earlier, just before the season started. So I'm going to say buy or sell. Is Ricky Council the fourth the most important player to the success of Wichita State this season? You know what you get out of Tyson. You know what you're going to get out of Dexter. Hopefully Mo gets back on track, but is he that X factor that unlocks the ceiling for Wichita State? Let's start with you, Taylor. Man, that's a good question. I want to say Dexter just because, like you said, you know what you're getting on defense, but, man, if he can put it together on the offensive end, be, be back to that 40 to 45% three-point shooter, that would be huge for WSU, but I, th- I mean, I like that that call by you uh, with Ricky being the most important, just because I think he is kind of that X factor. You know, uh, if WSU is going to be a good team, but if they can be a great team, you know, Ricky Council is going to take that next step, and I think he has it in him. I think we're in the midst of a breakout season. We're going to see a lot more uh, games like like Saturday's game against South Alabama. Um, where you know games where Tyson might not have it, or games where they're just throwing the kitchen sink at him, doubling him, face guarding him, and uh, you know scoring you know twenty just isn't an option. You know that's gonna leave a lot of open spaces for Ricky Council to, to do some damage, and um, I, I I like that I like that pick. I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna agree with it. I'll buy it as well. Had you asked me prior to Saturday, I probably would have said whoever's playing the point guard position is the most important to their success. But, you know, Ricky does have, you know, that that's so much upside and so much potential there. That And certainly we saw that with the 19 point effort on Saturday. So you remind you of anyone like uh, I was trying to think of a good comparison for him, like when I was writing that preview story, and like the closest I could come up with was like. Uh, a little bit like Marcus uh, McDuffie towards the end of his career where he's just like, he's so thirsty for scoring. I mean, he just looks to, to score almost every single time. I was curious, like, with your wealth of, of, of basketball knowledge, like in the Marshall era, the, does any other score kind of remind you of, of what Ricky does? Hmm. It's tough. I could maybe see a Clee Anthony early. He has yeah. that sort of athleticism, the ability to shoot from the outside. Um, I would think, honestly, though, Ricky's probably a little better of a ball handler because really you had to get you had to get Clee Anthony on a straight line drive. Um, but I would say that that would be the other analog I'd go with. Yeah, if he's going to break out, he's got to start finishing better around the rim. We've seen a couple times this season where he's he's taken it in kind of wild and. And uh, struggle to finish. So I mean, with his athleticism, it just it just seems like he should be a better uh, better finishing around the rim. So if he can unlock that part of the game, then and watch out. All right, we talked earlier shooting woes all around these first two games, which is similar to the past couple of seasons. So buy or sell. Wichita State is just going to be a streaky shooting basketball team. I'll buy that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think they're. Depth uh, is their biggest advantage because if, you know, a few guys aren't on, hopefully someone else can pick up the slack. But, I mean, Taylor referenced it earlier. We've been talking about this for years now. Years. So, years. like, sometimes you are what you are. You, you are, are what your record says you are. You are just who you are. Yep. And, you know, they were who we thought they were <laughs> <laughs> from the old Denny Green quote. Yeah. So, it just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you could almost argue that this is just like how it's going to be. I mean, it's just going to be, it's almost consistent. So it's like uh, maybe not even streaky at all, but I'll buy that too. I think there, I do think that this, this team 
will be a better shooting team than it was last season. I know the first two games don't look like it, but I think they have a little more offensive punch than what they've shown so far, and that'll come out over the course of the season. So um, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll buy that as well. But I do think that they're gonna, you know, finish. Uh, I think they'll be the best shooting team of the last four years, which isn't saying much, but it, it is a step in the right direction. We talked a lot about how the first three opponents Wichita State is playing are not your typical buy games in that these teams coming in have a lot of high major transfers, some quality coaching. You've got Billy Gillespie coaching Tarleton uh, for the game tomorrow night on Tuesday night. So buy or sell, one of Wichita State's first three opponents this season is going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, they're they're both probably not, or none of them are probably the favorite to win their conference, but I think one of them will find, I really like South Alabama. I think, uh, you know, Ken Palm is so hard to judge that team because they have so many transfers coming in. So they're like very low on Ken Palm. I think they're like 260 or something. I think they're going to be, you know, a top 150 team by the end of the season. And I, I like them. They're in a, you know, a very tough mid-major conference, but um, I think they get the job. I was really, really impressed with uh, Javon Franklin. He's a matchup nightmare at the four or the five. And then, like I said, I mean, they, they were, they didn't even have, you know, Lance Thomas, the guy who started at Memphis at center or their uh, VMI transfer who averaged like 20 a game last season. So that's a team that has even more firepower on the way. So I think South Alabama is my pick to make it to the tournament. Taylor really likes South Alabama. I really like Jacksonville State and the fact that they start five seniors. Uh, they have the experience, and when it comes time for conference tournament play, hopefully that, that takes them through. So I, I'll also buy it, but I'll just take the Gamecocks, the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. All right, we've talked about, you know, we want to get Mo Udesi going in these future games. He's he's spent a lot of time this off season working on an outside shot, trying to extend his range. Buy or sell, Mo working on that outside shot was the worst thing he could have possibly done because he's getting away from the skills and that bully ball and where it is that he has been most effective over the course of his career. I'm going to sell that for now, but he's he's on my watch list, all right? So tomorrow night against Tarleton State, he needs to get his, you know, his big old behind down the low and, and score some buckets. That's just funny to me, like the, the difference uh, – in the crowd reaction to Mo whenever he shoots a three to Kenny Poto. Kenny is like over five, over six, but I think he just built up that goodwill by winning that shocker matches three point contest. And even though some of his shots, I mean, his, 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 the arc on his shots just look pretty flat to me. And, uh, I mean, they haven't looked great, but he's taken a lot of good ones. They just haven't gone down. And Mo, Mo had his Mo is uh, shooting thirty three percent on the year, but it just seems like the crowd is just like an audible gasp. Like everyone's just like freaks out Aww. when he shoots. And I think we need to give Mo some credit. I mean, I've watched him in practice, and it looks smooth. He makes those. Um, it's kind of like the same thing as like Tyson. I mean, th- those are shots that he worked on all summer, and uh, you know, those are shots he makes. You know, IB would not be letting him shoot in the game if he wasn't making it in practice. So just keep that in mind next time you watch Mo shoot. Uh, maybe not the best shooting motion, but I mean, he, he, he's able to get the job done. Uh, but he's kind of like on the same thing as like Jamie for me is his senior year where it's like, you don't want Jamie shooting probably more than one per game. So you just gotta, you know, pick your spot, make sure you're wide, wide, wide open. It's in rhythm too. 
Uh, you don't want to be thinking about it too much. So, you know, some of those times he's going to be, you know, that open on those pick and pops. But um, like you said, Dustin, he needs to get back to what he does best, what made him that, that monster in the NCAA tournament game. And that was, you know, back to the basket, attacking, attacking the rim and just being a mismatch, uh, you know, down low. So I don't think it's the worst thing. But uh, like you said, I mean, he's it's one of those things where you're going to have to monitor. You don't want him getting too far away from what he's good at. I had a fun experience a couple weeks ago. I was uh, out with some friends, and they introduced me to uh, someone that they knew they were in a group with, and we started talking Shocker basketball, and he said, there's this podcast that I listen to with Taylor Eldridge, and it's really good. And I was like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm the other guy. <laughs> but the reason I bring that up, tell your friends about us. You know, all these other schools are worried about college football. We don't have that. It's basketball season. Tell your friends about Talk Angry, and then take those friends to Coke Arena, and we need more butts in the seats there. And it's an important week for or a couple weeks for our Shockers. You got the games in Vegas, but then you got the Missouri, Oklahoma State, K-State stretch. And as you mentioned, if you're going to be building an NCAA tournament resume, you know, these next couple weeks will go a long ways for that. Yeah, yeah. If you can win two out of three from that stretch, that would be huge. Um, And I think there's a chance, you know, I I really, really like Oklahoma State. Uh, I'm just curious to see how they're going to play just because of, you know, that postseason ban that was hit with them right before the start of the season. I don't know if that's going to bum them out or, or what, but their talent is just, you know, I think they're, they could have, you know, potentially cracked the top 25. Mizzou, that's a total rebuild job. I think that's a great opportunity for WSU to, to get a sneaky good road win. And then you have to just hope and hope and hope that they finish top 75. So that, that counts as a Q1. Then K State, that's a game you got to win. You know, you can't start off that, that in state rivalry with a loss and a, at basically home, um, especially K State, another team that's kind of rebuilding right now. So. I think you got, they, they need to win two of those, but I don't think it's out of the question if they get all three. Um, you know, I think the Oklahoma State one's definitely going to be the toughest game. Uh, but, you know, you just, you know, they always say defense travels. You know, the, the shots come and go, but defense and, and hustle and determination, that's what travels, and that's what Wichita State has brought with it, uh, you know, on the road, and that's what's made them one of the best road, you know, winning teams in the country, so... Big, big stretch for the Shockers. You know, we're going to find out a lot about, you know, um, about them over the course of the next few weeks. And I'm excited to, to watch some, you know, some high-intensity, high-level basketball. And we'll be here to cover it for you. Both Taylor and I will be out in Sin City at the Roman main event. And then we'll be back with you next week to preview some of those big upcoming non-conference matchups. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.